Psalm 19. David writes this. He says, The heavens are telling the glory of God. Their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. And in them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them, and nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony, Lord, is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, that you give us your word. God, I thank you that we live in a country that we can gather and read and proclaim and study your word. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. As David writes in this psalm, the law of the Lord is perfect. God, your word is perfect, and it restores our soul. Uh, When we're wayward, when we're off on our own, when we're lost in sin, God, as we're prone to wonder, God, your word is what restores us. Your word is what brings us back. Your word is what guides us, is what gives us truth. Your word is what points us to Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. God, I thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word uh, with this group of people. I pray that it would be profitable. Uh, Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Do your work in our hearts and in our minds. God, as we talk about something that's not easy, um, I pray you would uh, destroy any lies that we believe about this topic in our own mind. Uh, And I pray that we would embrace, God, the the power that you give us, uh, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us, uh, through Christ, and I pray that we would embrace that and, and, and really embrace this discipline. God, and I pray that uh, above all, that, that, that last verse, God, the, the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in your sight, God, uh, today and the rest of our lives. We love you and pray you'd be honored and blessed in this time. And we pray, amen. Uh, well, my name is Josh, as Brett said, and, and it's good to be with you. Um, I, I didn't know if uh, after last night, if I needed to change the message to be more grieving uh, for you um, Longhorn fans. Um, I'm an Aggie, so a kind of different spot right now. Thank you. Amen. I knew God was here. Um, but, uh, but anyways, it's good to be with you, uh, and, and it's good to, have you, good, good to be with you here this morning as we talk about this. Uh, I call today's study, Get the Word. Uh, I guess the underline would be, if you want to rhyme it, I'm not great at rhyming, but it would be an exhortation to memorization. An exhortation to memorization. Um, uh, what is an exhortation? It's a word you hear in the Bible. It's, you, don't, you don't hear this a lot in today's language, but what is an exhortation? Uh, some definitions for you. An exhortation is language intended to incite and encourage. Uh, a speech or discourse that encourages, incites, or earnestly advises. An address conveying urgent advice or recommendations. That's what an exhortation is. You hear them every day, even though you don't 
hear it called that, right? You turn on the radio, you hear those goofy car commercials, right? You know, Sunday, 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 total liquidation, you know, all that stuff. They're, they're, try, they're exhorting you, come buy our product. It's urgent, you must do it. Uh, in movies or films or books, like my, my favorite is, is William Wallace and Braveheart. Um, he does the speech before the Battle of Sterling, and it's just, man, it's a great exhortation. He, he encourages men to fight strong, to, to fight for freedom. It's a great exhortation. Uh, as parents, anybody done exhortations with your kids? Of course you have, uh, and they don't always go well. Uh, I have three kids, or my wife and I have three kids as well. We have a, a five, a three, and a one. Um, so we are outnumbered now. We have to play zone defense. We can't even play man um, with three little ones. But we have, we have two boys and a girl. We have Caleb, Seth, and Kylie. And Seth is our middle son. Uh, he is our wild card for y'all parents. You probably know, like you, if you have a wild card, he's ours. And uh, we were kind of going through this thing about Lucky Charms recently. He, he wanted to, him and Caleb, they, they want Lucky Charms. They want us to buy Lucky Charms for breakfast cereal, but they only want to eat the marshmallows, not just the cereal, right? And this is part of their ongoing sanctification. Like, we have to learn. Um, eat the cereal, too. And, and so this, this, and so we're, I was the other morning, he was like, what's for breakfast? And I was like, uh, well, we may do oatmeal. And he's like, but I want Lucky Charms. And I, ex I gave him an exhortation, like, Seth, if you eat this, you've got to eat the cereal, not just the marshmallows. And he's like, but I just want to eat the marshmallows. And I said, son, you know, when we were at the store and I asked you and your brother, I said, hey, if we buy this, you guys are going to step up and eat the, the cereal part too. And he's like, and y'all both said yes, right? And he's like, yeah. And he shook his head yes. And then he just paused for a second and he looked at me and he goes, but you know I won't. Kid is three years old. We're in trouble. Um, but today, I, I bring to you an exhortation. It's not really mine. This isn't, uh, I'm not an expert by any means in any of this. This isn't even my exhortation. This is, I believe, from God. He makes it very clear in his word. The exhortation I want to bring to you today is to memorize passages of Scripture. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not just talking about verses, like a single verse. That's great. If you're memorizing single verses, that's good. I don't want to discourage you from that at all. But I do want to exhort you. I do want to bring you an exhortation. Is that, is that me? Should I switch? We good? Okay. Um, I do want to bring to you an exhortation to get longer passages of Scripture in your heart and in your mind. All right? Not just one or two verses. I'm talking about chapters. I'm talking about passages of Scripture. That's, that's really the exhortation uh, today. The simple idea is this. Commit chapters and passages of Scripture to memory. All right? That's, that's, what, that's what I'm bringing to you today. And it's not, this isn't a, a normal sermon where I would do like three points. and a, That's not how this is going to go. This is an exhortation. I'm going to bring to you um, some reasons why I think this is good. Some reasons why God gives this to us as an exhortation. Uh, and I, I'm limiting, I think, to seven. There's, there's tons more I could give to you. But I'm just going to give you some reasons. I'm going to defeat your objections because I know already. I know because I used to have the same objections you do already in your mind. You're thinking um, you've got your own reasons why you can't do that. But I'm going to uh, take those on uh, it as well. And then uh, and I'll give you as well, I'll give you my process for it. Um, so that's how it's going to go. All right, so let's jump into it. Let's not wait. 
First reason, why should you uh, grab onto this? Why should this be part of the spiritual disciplines in your life? Uh, why is this basic? Why is this what you should embrace? Number one, uh, and we could stop right here, but Jesus exampled it. Jesus exampled it over and over again. You hear Jesus quote from the Old Testament scriptures. He knows them intimately. He knows the word. He, you hear him say, like, you, you have heard it said, or as it is written, or do you not know where it's... He's always referring. He knows the word. And it's not like he has to pause and look it up. He knows it. Jesus quotes from 24 different Old Testament books. I think that's significant. This wasn't just a minor thing. 24 different books he quoted from. Think about it. In the wilderness, at the time of his greatest temptation, how does he respond? He quotes scripture. And all three times it's from the book of Deuteronomy. I think that's significant as well. Those 40 days where Jesus was fasting and preparing himself for ministry and for the temptation to come, I, could, I would almost bet money that Jesus, not bet, that's not good. Um, but I would almost be willing to wager money that he was, during those 40 days, memorizing and meditating on the book of Deuteronomy. Because when the, when the temptation came to his door, when it showed up fierce and in his face, man, he was ready. And he's called, recalled it right there, Deuteronomy, boom, 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 over and over again. Jesus' life showed a repeated pattern of knowing, recalling, and quoting Scripture. Think of it this way. If you want to grow in your faith, it's good to model your faith after Christ. And we know without doubt that Jesus memorized Scripture. He knew it. And furthermore, I would tell you this, Jesus speaks there. That's where he hangs out. I'm not a great fisherman. I don't really know anything a lot. I, I, I say, let's throw some dynamite in a lake. And, you know, that, that's my idea of fishing. But I do know this. The one thing I know about fishing is you have to go where the fish are, right? You can't go out to I-35 and cast your line there. You've got to go to the water. That's where the fish hang out. That's where the fish are. Man, if we're going to grow in Christ, if we're going to grow our walk to be more like Christ, we need to go where he hangs out. And he hangs out primarily in his word. That's where he speaks. And as you memorize scripture, as you, as you meditate, as you dwell, man, that's where Jesus is going to be found. And you're going to find new truths there. You're going to, there's going to be a sweetness there. So number one, I would say, I would exhort you to memorize passages of scripture because Jesus exampled it, and that's where he is. Number two, God commands it. God says, take my scriptures seriously. This is something that he, he pushes very strongly to his people, and we should heed it as well. Deuteronomy 6, verse uh, 6 and 7, God says, These words which I am commanding to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and daughters. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Later on, Deuteronomy eleven eighteen, he says, Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and buy them to your foreheads. God says, do whatever you have to do to get the word in you. Do whatever you have to do, but get my word in you. And I know this sounds very counterculture because we live in a day where you can get, you can pull up on your phone and you can, oh, what's that verse? And, and, yeah, and there's a convenience factor, and I'm not, not anti-convenience. Uh, that's a great thing that we have Bible apps and reading plans and all that. That's great. But there should be the call that we're heeding to take that word. He says, put it in your hearts. 
put it in your hearts and minds. Joshua 1.8, he says, when he gives that great kind of pregame speech to Joshua, as Joshua's about to take leadership, God says in verse 8, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. God wants us to memorize these words. He wants us to put this in our hearts and our minds because it's good and it's good for us. He never designed the word to be taken lightly. He never designed it that way. Number three, it grows your faith. Jesus example that God commands it and it grows your faith. What does Romans 10, 17 say? It says faith comes from hearing and what? Hearing by the word of Christ. Well, guess what? Do you want more faith to come into your life? Yes, then you've got to hear the word. And that doesn't just mean come here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. As you memorize scripture, you're going to be repeating it to yourself over and over. In effect, there's going to be some times you're preaching the word to yourself over and over until it starts to sink deep. Your faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. It will deepen and grow your faith as you dwell on a passage and repeat it and repeat it and sink it down into your hearts and in your minds. You will learn it. Number four, it arms me with the weapon to assault my enemy. The weapon. I put the in uh, quotation marks because there is no other offensive weapon in the Christian life. You go to like Ephesians chapter 6, right? The, the, the armor of God, right? The Ephesians chapter 6, you can read it. The, the armor of God and everything he lists, Paul lists, is all defensive, Right? It's a shield, it's a breastplate, it's, it's sandals, it's a belt, it's a helmet. Everything is defensive. The one weapon he lists is the sword, the word of God. He says it's, it is the one thing that we can swipe back, that we can swing back, that we can wield as a, as a Christian against our enemy, who, make no mistake, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Let me ask you a question. If there was a, let's say hypothetical here. Let's say that tomorrow our country uh, goes to war, and it's a mega war. Let's say it's a huge, huge war, so much that that everyone in here is eligible for a draft. We start doing a, a nationwide draft. Everybody in here, doesn't matter your age, is eligible for the draft. Let's say, let's say you get selected for this draft, and so next week you've got to report to foreign soil to go to battle for the U.S. How many of you, if you were in that position, if you get drafted into a battle, how many of you would show up next week without a gun, without a grenade, without even a knife? Nobody would, right? That'd be senseless to go on a battlefield without any weapons at all. You'd be asking to get destroyed. I would ask us, how often do we face our own every day like that? In Christ, we walk into a battlefield, the enemy is seeking to destroy us, and we don't bother to pick up the sword, the one weapon he gives us, a powerful weapon, the most powerful weapon we need. Do we leave it aside? Can I remind you of something you know? Satan is immensely powerful, and he hates you. He hates you. You have an enemy who hates you. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your testimony at work. He wants to destroy your ministry. He wants to destroy everything good in your life. He's coming for you. God says, man, I give you my word. 
It's the sword by which we fight back. You say, well, I come to church and I, that, that's great. That's great. But man, if you're in Christ, you have the permission to pick up your sword and learn how to use it. You do. That's what God tells us. Um, Thomas A. Kempis says it this way. He says, the devil does not sleep, nor is the flesh yet dead. Therefore, you must never cease your preparation for battle because on the right and left are enemies who, who never rest. And what are you facing right now? What are you struggling with? What are you going through right now? Man, all of us are going through something. We're all facing something. There's always dwelling, indwelling sin after the cross. We're, we're all imperfect. We're all struggling and, and going through things. Are we picking up the sword to fight well? And it's time you can do that by memorizing the word, by learning how to wield this tool. Man, you can strike back. You can put to death the deeds of the body. You can put to death the enemy with the word of God. Arm yourself. Psalm 37, 31 says it this way. It's talking about a man who, who loves God's word. It says, the law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Psalm 119, 11, he says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. You memorize the word so you have a weapon, so you learn how to pick it up and defend and conquer and move forward and go forward in your, in your walk with Christ. Number five, why memorize scripture? It guards you from deadly traps. Colossians 2.8 says it this way. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive. Again, here's wartime language, right? Taken captive. How? Through, through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of this world, rather than according to Christ. See, Paul says the world is going to constantly bombard you with, with empty philosophies, Right? Empty philosophies, and if, and if you're not careful, if you're not grounding yourself in the word, man, we can be susceptible to those. You can be, he says, you can be taken captive, literally taken captive. And you know this, right? You turn on the TV, you're going to get hit with, with images, right? Like something as simple as like shaving commercials, right? You know there's two things for a guy's razor, right? I'm talking about for a guy's shaving. There's two things in every guy's razor commercial. What are they? It's like a fast-moving vehicle and a hot girl, right? It's like, there's, there's like a jet. It's like shit quattro, boom, and a jet. I have no idea what the jet has to do with the razor, but they're always like a fast jet, and there's always the hot girl who's like looking at the guy who's like clean shaven, right? You know this. Razors, and, and they're pushing an empty philosophy like this razor will get you the hot girl. I mean, that, that's what it is, right? And, and, it, and it's, it's crazy. It's like, if, if you've been married a while, you know this to be true. That's not how it is. Like when I'm shaving, you know, I'm growing the beard out now, but when, when I would shave, like my wife is not over there watching me. <sighs> Look at that handsome groomsman. Boy, did I marry a, marry a stud. Like, that she, you know what she's saying? It's like, hey, are you going to pick up the hairs that are on the, can I get an amen? Like, you know, that's how it really is. But that's the empty philosophy. Even something as simple as a razor. They're trying to pawn off. They're trying to give you a philosophy about life. They're trying to bombard you, guard yourself from the deadly traps. Even the small things you don't even really think about, but they're trying to sneak it in. Memorize the word to stay the course of truth and guard yourself from deadly traps. Number six, memorize for renewal for his purposes. 
for renewal for his purposes. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, is therefore I urge you, it's like an exhortation right here, right? I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Well, how do we do that? How do we renew our minds? Did we do like some kind of Christian yoga, like get in our closets and just be like, mm, renew my mind, God. Oh, is that, is that what it is? No, I don't think so. No, you memorize, you, you memorize the word to renew your mind. You want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind? Start putting scripture up here. It requires dedication and action on our part. Renewing your mind is not a passive activity. It's taking hold of the word, it's taking hold of the sword and putting it in your heart and mind. As you think about, as you dwell on, as you memorize scripture, it will renew you for his purposes. Man, there have been times when I don't want to do this, when I don't want to engage in this discipline. And it's hard, and it's, there's times where I was like, ah, God, I don't want to do that right now. And slowly as I start to engage, man, he just, he softens my heart. He, he, he brings me back, he renews me. He renews me. I say it this way. There's two ways you read the Bible, and they're both good. They're both positive. Number one, you read it to learn, right? You read to learn. That's when you read the Bible to learn about Jesus, right? That's the most important thing. You can learn about theology, doctrine, the story of God. You figure out God's commands, all those things. that You can read the Bible to learn about him. But the second way is you read to burn. You read to burn where your heart is engaged and it burns for him. And it's not just learning, it's not just knowledge, but man, it sinks, my old pastor would say, it sinks 18 inches. It drops 18 inches from your head to your heart. And you know, just in the midst of learning, man, there can be that burning comes. And as you memorize the word, man, it gives you opportunities for that to happen. Trust me, I'm telling you. You start to sit and, and, and think and meditate and, and, and memorize a, a chapter of scripture, man, that will, that will burn in your hearts. It will change you in profound ways. You read to learn, you read to burn. Seventh, it provides good words for ministering to others. Um, storm clouds come. I'm not going to get up here and tell you that if you give your life to Christ, all these good things are going to happen to you and everything's going to be perfect. That's, that's a lie. That's a lie. Jesus was a realist. He says in, in Luke 6, look it up. He says, storms will come. They will show up. And at that point, it's about your foundation. What foundation have you laid? Jesus was real about it. He didn't promise everything's going to be perfect and all. No, he never said that. He said, storms will come. Life will happen to you or to those you love. You're going to face the storms, right? You memorize the word now. So you can give good words to others and to be an anchor to your own soul. I got a call uh, several years ago, a student I administered with. He was, he's a really sharp kid. He um, really, and he had a, him and his girlfriend, his girlfriend actually went to UT. She was an honor student, um, real, 20 years old. And uh, sharp, sharp, great couple. They both love the Lord. He calls me up. He says, man, I just found out she's got a brain tumor. Super aggressive. 
20 years old, honor student, loves the Lord. What do you, what do you say at that moment? What do you say when that shows up? Honestly, I don't think that's the right time for a deep theological answer. That there's, there, there is a time for that, but I don't think in that moment that's the time or the place. But man, if you know the word of God and you can just proclaim that to them, speak it over them and make it a prayer for them, I think that's appropriate and good. So I walked through them, Psalm 139, how much God knows that God has formed her, all that. Psalm 139, a beautiful psalm that, that God is intimately acquainted with everything. God's not surprised by that tumor. He knows every day of that girl's life before she was born. That's what Psalm 139 says. And his thoughts toward her are precious. You memorize the word so you can have an anchor in your storm and you can minister to others with the truth of Scripture. Billy Graham said it this way. I think it's spot on. He says, like Joseph storing up grain to prepare for the years of famine that lay ahead, may we store up the truth of God's word in our hearts as much as possible so that we are prepared for whatever suffering we are called upon to endure. I would encourage you, I would exhort you to memorize the word because storms do come. I could give you a lot more reasons, but I got to keep going here. Those are seven good reasons, biblical reasons, why you should grab on to this discipline of memorizing passages of Scripture. Let me give you some process. All right, here's the thing. I don't have some clever infomercial formula. If I did, I'd probably have a goofy infomercial late at night. Here's how to memorize Josh's system, $29.99. Call now. Well, I don't have that. I don't have that at all. I've got a very simple system. If you want to do this, how do you do it? I'll give you mine. If you have a better way, cool. This is all I have. Uh, I would say this, memorization, what I will tell you is this. Here's the truth. Memorization is way more about effort than it is technique. You feel me? It's way more about effort than it is technique. And who answers the effort question? You do. Effort is between you and you. You decide who gives the effort. You decide what you give effort to. It's your choice. It's about effort. It's probably about 95 to 5%. It's, it's 95% effort, 5% technique. One of my old pastors says it this way, and I think it's spot on. He says, God will meet you at the level of your desire. Just think about that later on today. Just talk that with your family. God will meet you at the level of your desire. You're never going to desire more of God than he does of you. He will meet you at your level. If you want to engage in this discipline, man, he will meet you there. You want to give the effort to it, man, he will meet you there. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. So, so if you want to do this, how do you do it? I'll give you my simple process. Number one, select a passage. If you, don't, if you have a favorite chapter of the Bible, if you have a favorite passage, do that first. If you don't have one, write down this, Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Colossians 3, and if you want to turn there real quick, let's look at it. This, when I started memorizing scripture, this was the first passage I memorized. It's one of my favorites in scripture because it's the Christian life. If you want to know what is a, a Christian life, what does it look like, what does it sound like, it's Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Paul says it this way. He says, therefore, if you have been raised up in Christ, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, is, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, 
sensuality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also want to walk when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man. But Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen by God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Man, I got that passage. You know what? Here's the cool thing, and you're going to get this too. When you start to get passages, here's the cool thing. That passage has me. That passage has me, and that surprised me. I mean, I was like, I was, I was, when I first got I was like, man, I, I did it. I got that passage in my heart, my mind, and then God reveals it. Man, that passage has me. He brings it to my mind. He, he brings me back to it. He, he encourages me with it. He challenges me with it. That passage has me way more than I have it. So select a passage you're passionate about passionate about. If you have a favorite chapter, do that first. If you don't, start there. You say, Josh, that's 17 verses. That's why I say start there, because if you do a longer one like that, then the, uh, a lot of the other ones are going to seem easier for you. you. You will get more confident as you do that. So start there. Select a passage. Number two, write it down. Don't type it out. Write it down. There's something about writing that just helps you memorize it more. All I have is a simple notebook with a pen, and I just write out the verses one verse at a time. Write it down. Write it down. Number three, break it up. Don't try to memorize the whole thing at once. Do it in small sections. I do about two verses at a time. I look at two verses. I read them out loud about eight to ten times in a row. Read it out loud. Same two verses. Read it out loud eight, ten times in a row. Then I look away, and I try to say it. That's, that's it, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't have any magic formula. There's no special effects here. That's all I do. I look at two verses, I read it, I read it, I read it, I turn away, I try to say it out loud. And as, as you get that, you just add on more to it. Review and add, always adding it out. Read it aloud in the fullness once a week. Just read the entire passage at least once a week. Be reading it out loud to yourself. That's really how it's done. I know, that's disappointing, right? I don't have some cool magic formula. I'm sorry. But again, it's an effort question more than a technique thing. It's not some kind of trick. It's not any kind of, it's effort. Are you going to give your heart and mind to this? Optional, I would say this, and man, this would probably help mentally. I just, I'm not gifted there. If you have any kind of musical ability at all, do that. Make it into a song. Borrow, a, I mean, whatever you can do. If music just helps you remember things. There's something about it. So if you can do that, if you can do that, man, by all means, it will, it will help, I think. What is it going to cost you? My system, if you order now. Um, it's going to cost you a notebook a pen, and time. So make no mistake, it's costly. Not financially, not by any means. A notebook and a pen, you could be out of HEB for like three bucks. But it will cost time. Time is your most precious resource. You know that, right? Are you going to give time to this? 
It's a spiritual discipline. It will not come easy. There's no shortcuts around it. It requires time. Time and effort. That's you. So I've gone through reasons. I've given you my process now to your objections because I know you have them. Because I did too. All right, you say, well, Josh, I'm not good at memorizing. Anybody? Come on, be brave. Yeah, I'm not good at memorizing. Yeah. Hey, here's the good news. Neither am I. I barely remember Marshall's name. I just met him like 10 minutes ago. I just now, I just clicked. I, I'm terrible with names and faces. I don't have some kind of like special memory. I'm not an X-Man, okay? I don't have special powers. I can't save Gotham City through my memory. I don't, I don't have any special powers here. I, I'm, not, I'm not any different than you, okay? You could say, I'm not good. You know what? Here's the thing. You know, you memorize stuff you don't even try to. You know this. You memorize stuff you don't even try to. Check this out. Don't tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart. I just don't think it would understand. And if you tell my heart, my achy, breaky heart, it might blow up and kill this man. I mean, I don't want that in my head. I didn't even try to put some goofy 90s country song in my heart, but it's there. I don't want it there. I didn't even try to memorize that. I put my hands up. They're playing my song. The butterflies fly away. I'm nodding my head like, yeah. I'm moving my hips like, yeah. I put my hands up. They're playing my song. The butterfly flies away. Yeah, 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 party in the USA. I don't want Miley Cyrus in my heart and in my mind. I don't. But it's there. I didn't even try. And you know the same thing, too. How many of you say, I probably know at least 20 songs. Yeah, I guarantee you probably know like 50. You're not even trying to memorize these songs. But they creep in. So don't tell me I'm not good at memorizing. I couldn't memorize. Don't tell me that you can't engage the word with discipline, with effort and intensity and do something when you can do it easily, not even trying to do it with stuff you don't want to memorize. That does not work here. That's a lie from the enemy that you're not good at memorizing. Don't believe it. You can't, man. God's given you a mind. You get one of those. Use it. Bring it to bear on Scripture. I'm not good at memorizing. That's not accepted, man. None of us are until we think about it and put effort to it. You say, well, I'm too old. Any amens out there? Don't amen it. But say, I'm too old. I just, you know, I can't can't memorize things like I used to. I can't remember stuff. Here's the cool thing. Go home. Google this. It's not Christian sources. You can look at any scientific study, any journal. Here's what they're going to find. The act of memorizing is encouraged by doctors because it delays the effects of aging. It fights the loss of memory. If you start to memorize over and over, it helps your brain fight off the effects of aging. Isn't that kind of cool that God designed it that way? Hmm, that's pretty awesome. Go home, Google it today. Well, memorizing, whatever you want to do, look up your academic journals, whatever. Memorizing helps your mind fight off the effects of aging. So if you say, well, I'm too old, I can't memorize. Hey, all the more reason you should. All the more reason you should. God knows what he's doing when he gives us these commands because he knows how our body and our minds work. He said, well, my my memory's gone. Great, start memorizing. It'll help. And I've seen my own grandparents seen them lose that battle. Alzheimer's and 
That stuff is ruthless. But you put the word in your heart and in your mind, no matter your age. And I pray to God, if I, if, I, if I live long enough, if I start to forget things, if I forget my own name, let me not forget your word. I want that there. I want it there. I'm too old. Doesn't work. All the more reason. Number three, you say, well, I just can't. Turn to your neighbor right now. Say, hey, neighbor. Go ahead, turn to your neighbor right now. Say, hey, neighbor. Run that down the road. That doesn't work, man. That doesn't work. Psalm 18, 32 to 33 says, It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and sets me on high places. It's God who's going to give you the strength to do this. You say, I'm not good at this on my own. Great. Guess what? You've got the, if you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit inside you. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead, he dwells inside you. He will do this with you. So don't tell me you can't. Philippians 4.13. I see it, man. I've seen it in, on posters and, and locker rooms my whole life. We make this some kind of like verse about extreme sports. And it's always like a guy of like climbing a mountain. It says Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Guess what? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, including memorizing his word, which he wants you to do anyways. Not just climbing mountains, man. He wants you to climb his word. Get this in your heart and mind. He will strengthen you to do this. You're not on your own. It's not on your skill set. That's the beauty of it, man. He's not calling you and saying, hey, you have to do this. He's saying, I'll do this with you. I will empower you to do this. So don't tell me you can't. Don't sit there and believe the lies of the enemy. I can't memorize God's word. No, you can and you should, and he will be with you to strengthen you and do this. Who made your mind? God did. Who wrote the Bible? God did. Guess what? He wants those two things to go together, and he'll be with you to do it. You get one life, you get one brain, you decide what it's filled with. You'll be filled with stupid radio jingles and achy, breaky heart and all that nonsense, or you can start to engage scripture, engage this discipline, put the word of God in your heart and mind. I pray that you do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us to engage this, God. I pray against the lies of the enemy, even now, God, that's trying to discourage us. God, give us courage and boldness like Joshua to step up and do something new and take on this challenge. God, we love you. We thank you for all that you uh, promise us. In Christ, in your name we pray, amen.